So we're in a series entitled, The End or Just the Beginning. When the end of time happens, the beginning of eternity begins. And all of us, I remind you once again, all of us will live somewhere for eternity, either in heaven or hell. They're both real, and they are both for eternity. What's going to happen? Last week, we, uh, we realized there is only one who is worthy to take the scroll and open it. Jesus came to redeem us, to buy back the rights to the earth and all that the enemy has laid claim to. And he paid the full redemption price. And he alone is worthy. Amen. The enemy of your soul has no right to you any longer. I'm telling you. Jesus' sinless blood ransomed people for God, and he laid his life down for you and for me. Read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Paul the Apostle is writing to the church at Philippi, and he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, though he was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. And he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, because of this, God elevated him to the highest, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above every other name, the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now the reality is you have a chance and a choice to do that right now. Right here today. It's a privilege and an honor to declare Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. To bow before him in worship. It's a privilege and honor to worship him who reigns forever right now we're privileged to do that and we live in a country that allows us to do that what a blessing what an honor and so peter writes to the church in first peter chapter one he says so prepare your minds for action prepare your minds for action this is where you don't just think about stuff you do something about what you know a lot of us just think. We, we live in a thinking area of our life. But it's time to take your godly thoughts and move them into godly action. Amen? So prepare your minds for action. And exercise self-control. The NIV says, be fully sober. 
put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Something about obedience. We talked about it last Sunday night in the foundations class. It's happening again tonight. Obedience, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to God. It's a big deal to every parent. It's a big deal to every boss. We got any bosses here? Employers? Okay, let's hear from you. It's a big deal. If I tell you to do something, do it. Don't act like, oh, no, what? Seriously? Obedience. And he says it's time to live as obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Seriously, grow up. This whole child-rearing thing is a big deal to me. I, I've, I, I can't handle parents who just allow things in their children who will have to deal with that later on in life because school's not going to put up with it. The system's not going to put up with it. The law enforcement's not going to put up with it. Their employer's not going to put up with it. Okay? It, it's more cruel to allow a child to develop bad habit patterns that they're going to have to deal with later on in life than to deal with it now while they're moldable and shapeable. Okay? And, and so Peter's telling the church, look, you've got to start living as God's obedient children. Do what he's telling you to do. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but you know better now. And when you know better, you got to do better. Come on, somebody. And now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy. The Scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. And I'm just going to tell you this, that God wouldn't give you a command that you couldn't live up to. Oh, we use excuses. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I, I'm German, you know. That's just the way we are. I, I don't care who you are or what you are. God says you can live holy. It's not just the way you are. You can stay there in that excuse the rest of your life, or you can become an obedient child of God and begin to live that way and not slip back into your old way of living. You didn't know any better then. But you know better now. All right. So, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember, verse 17, remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He's not listening to Mother Teresa or Billy Graham's prayers more than yours. Okay? He has no favorites. And, and so we all have the opportunity. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. Ha! That's a heavy. Right? All of us, as God's children, are either going to be judged, 
with what we know and have done, or we're going to be rewarded with what we know and have done. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, he says, you must, you must, you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residence. Because, see, it's so easy to get caught up in this whole world because that's all we can see. And Paul also reminds us that what you can see is just temporary stuff because it's all going away eventually. It's all going to get burned up by fire. So what kind of people should we be? We've got to have our eyes and our minds fixed on, on his world, on what he wants, not just on the stuff you can see right now, on that temporary stuff. And you're living as a temporary resident. This place is not your home. I know we invest so much in this place, but it's not our home. It's not where we belong. It's not where we're going to spend eternity. We're getting a new heaven and a new earth. Glory. Mm. And we've been talking about that. So, verse 18, for you know that God, and th this is what I'm trying to get to right here, okay? You know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it, it was not paid with mere gold and silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. <laughs> God chose him as your ransom. God chose him as your ransom. Before, long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. And that's why God sent us here to Kenneth Square. To bring this good news that everyone here, everyone available has the, the ability to reach out and receive this free gift of salvation. And, and we're here today, honestly, on the shoulders of those who have gone on before us. There are those who, who planted seed in this community, planted seed in this county, and we got to come along years later and reap the benefit of that seed that was planted. And today I want to welcome to this house one of those people who have given of themselves for so long. They planted seed here in Chester County. Never really saw the fruit of it. And we came along years later, and today we are honored to have with us the matriarch of that planting. Arlene Grable is here today. Arlene, would you stand? Come here. This lady and her husband came here years ago and did a lot of praying and planting and, and believing God for a, a church 
to be raised up in this area. Her husband, Paul, has since gone to be with the Lord. He's, he's rejoicing in heaven. One of, his, one of my favorite lines that he always said was, you can't, you can't. Can't scare a Christian with heaven. And, and Arlene's dad just passed away, and her mom passed away uh, not long ago. And she's moved here. And I just want you to know, her kids go here, Robin and Rada. And uh, I just want you to know, this lady is going to be honored in this house because of the years and the sacrifice that they have planted here. And we're here today standing on their shoulders. We love you, Arlene. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Amen. Amen. Give it up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So when you see her around, you'll know who she is. She's a gift. And we get the privilege of having her as part of our family here. Revelation chapter 6 begins the great tribulation. And we saw last week in chapter 5 of Revelation how the church is already around the throne of God worshiping the Lamb. Can I just tell you, you want to be in that crowd in chapter 5? You want to be in that crowd. Revelation 6 verse 1, as I watched the Lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. And then I heard one of the four living beings saying, with a voice like thunder. I don't know if you've been around thunder lately. But thunder ain't quiet. Thunder's pretty loud. And there's going to be a lot of loud in heaven. We're getting, ready. We're getting you ready for that down here. With a voice like thunder, he said, Come! Come! I looked up, and the command was, Come. And I looked up and saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow, and a crown was placed on his head, and he rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. The first thing that takes place on the earth once the church has been taken out, the moment this first seal is broken, the Antichrist comes forth on a white horse to bring the earth under his power and control under his sphere of influence. He's a false Messiah. He's a false Christ. He's a false Savior. In Revelation chapter 13, we'll see later that, that Satan will give him his throne and his authority. But we see his emergence here as soon as the church, the hindering force, is taken out of the earth. The Apostle Paul gives us some clarity about this when he writes to the Thessalonian church in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 1, Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken 
or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. See, all this stuff was going on, and people were, were talking and, and bringing up all kinds of junk and saying, hey, you know what? And I know Paul wrote me. He said, here we go. He said, no, 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 no. Don't believe them. Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there's a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? See, he's, he's talking to a church where he'd already been there, talked about this, and they're all freaking out going, Oh, no, we missed the rapture. I don't know if this ever happened to you. Thinking you missed the rapture. I'm telling you, it's the worst feeling in life. You come home and, and all your Christian family is gone. And it looks like things have just been left. It looks like clothes have been dropped. And you're like, whoa. And you call them and they don't answer the phone. And you jump on your knees and begin to repent. I'm the only one, right? There's, we got a few in here. Yeah, you know. And they were freaking out. And he says, don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. That's the church the hindering force. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth, not because he has bad breath. That's it. That's all it takes. Slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. I mean, when Jesus just shows up at the very last point, it's over, folks. And that which has shown itself to be strong and mighty and, and ruling the world at the time, he goes, done. This man will come to do the work of Satan, with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. And sometimes we see miracles and signs and wonders and we're thinking, is that Jesus? Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. You need a, the discernment of spirits. You need the Holy Spirit of God living in you so you can discern what's from God, what's not from God. 
because this, this evil man will come and will perform counterfeit power and signs and miracles. And he will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Because, because, because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. I mean, you get to a point in life where you make a choice. And I've said this before. God doesn't send people to hell. He just honors their choice. They didn't want him now, and so, okay, I honor your choice. You don't get me. Okay? It's, this is a big deal. It's choice. It's obedience. It's following what God has for us. They will be deceived because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived, and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. So here the church is, is the hindering force, the one holding lawlessness back. Listen, child of God, you are the salt of the earth. You are a preserving force. You are a preserving influence. Listen, rejoice when people apologize. Pardon my French. Rejoice. You're causing them to be uncomfortable. Okay, just by your presence, by, by the spirit of Jesus in you, people are going to apologize for what they're doing. They're, you, you make things uncomfortable just because you're there. And you're hindering the evil one presence of Jesus and the Spirit of God in us is a hindering force. It's, a, it's a, a holding back of lawlessness. So let me encourage you, don't lose your saltiness. Stay salty. Because when the salt loses its savor, it's not good for anything. You need to be salty. Now don't be ridiculous salty. Okay? Right? You ever had one of those dishes where you, you, you're like, ooh, who's been hanging on to the salt shaker in this house? Okay, a little bit too much salt there. You don't want to be too much salt. <laughs> right, Al? Yeah. She loves salt. Okay. Revelation chapter 6, verse 3. We're moving on. When the Lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being saying, Come. Again, the, the command, come. Another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. And the reality is that the Antichrist will bring peace, peace and prosperity on the earth for three and a half years, and then the bottom drops out. And he will gain a great following and make it look like the church was the problem. Hey, they're gone, so that, they were the problem. And then there's peace. And remember in, in 2 Thessalonians, I, I don't want to read it today, but when you cry peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come. Okay. All right. So, destruction. When the Lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being saying, Come. 
I looked up and saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Remember the scripture in, in the Old Testament, you've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. God's weighing things. The scales were in his hand, and I heard a voice from among the four living beings saying, a loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay. And don't waste the olive oil and wine. You've been found wanting. You've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Famine comes after the war. Fam famine comes. Poss possibly it's, it's a nuclear holocaust. And that would destroy crops and the ability to, to even grow uh, food. We, we know what it's like when, when there's a drought in certain areas. And all of a sudden you can't get tomatoes. You can't get oranges. You can't get, you know, wherever it happens. Or you can get them, but it, it costs a whole lot more. And that's what's happening here. Loaf of bread is, is a day's wage. That's pretty pricey. When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being saying, Come. I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death. And his companion was the grave. And these two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease and wild animals. And we've seen some pretty nasty stuff in our, in our lifetime. But this, what we've seen won't even compare with what's coming. There's, at this point, there's over 7.5 billion people on this planet. Imagine a fourth of them being annihilated because of, of war, famine, disease, and even wild animals getting out of control. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they've done to us? And then a white robe was given to each of them and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who were to be martyred, had joined them. Now, this isn't the church that has been raptured. When the church is raptured, I believe the earth could experience one of its greatest revivals in history. I mean, think of all your friends who have wit you've witnessed to you. They've been laughing and making fun of you. And, and when it actually takes place and they realize this is real stuff, those things that you've been sharing with them will come back to them, will come to mind. And it's going to be a sobering day for everyone. They're going to realize what a fool they've been. When the Antichrist begins to establish his reign, his authority, his power on the earth, hopefully they will have enough sense to resist him, which will mean their death. Because he has the power to put to death those that resist. Can I just tell you, don't wait. Don't wait to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I hear people all the time, well, if I miss the rapture, I'll just, I'll just get right in the tribulation time. Well, if, if you're having a hard time living for Jesus now, 
your choice to live for him then will be death. It's not going to get any easier. That's why the Bible says, now is the time, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to make your choices. No one is guaranteed tomorrow. We don't, have a, we don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. We've got this moment right here. Verse 12, I watched as the Lamb broke the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. This is an earthquake like never has been seen on the face of the earth before. The sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. And then the stars of the sky fell to the earth, like green figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. The sky was rolled up like a scroll, and all the mountains and islands were moved from their places. I, I like watching some of the, the, uh, the shows on television, like My Island Hideaway. I don't even know what the name of them are, but people go out and buy islands, right? Seriously? They're buying islands. I, I think it's pretty cool, but, but guess what? It's, it's going to go away too. It's all going to go away. Well, Pastor Greg, you're really Debbie Downer today, aren't you? This is like reality check. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. And what are we investing in? What are we putting all of our time and effort in? Because things are getting ready to be shaken up. And it's sooner than later. We're closer now than we've ever been before. The sky was rolled up like a scroll. All the mountains and islands were moved from their places. And then everyone, everyone, the, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, every slave and free person, all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us! Hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to survive? Notice this is called the great day of God's wrath. And I want to remind you as, as believers, 1 Thessalonians 5.9, Paul writing to the Thessalonian church says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. NLT says, God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. And the context of that is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'll, I'll start at verse 1. Now concerning how and when... All this will happen, dear brothers and sisters. We don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything's peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. There will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. 
for you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard. Not asleep like the others. Stay alert. Be clear-headed. Another translation says, be sober. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, sober, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you already are doing. I mean, that's, that's why he's telling us these things. Encourage each other. Strengthen one another. Say, dude, why are you living like that? Jesus is coming back. Come on. Get your act together. He saved you for a reason. Live up to your calling. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, live up to your calling. Let's go. Live up to your calling. Tell your other neighbor, live up to your calling. Let's go. Come on. Not time to mess around. Not time to be wishy-washy. It's not time to just think about stuff down here. Revelation 6, 17 says the day of God's wrath has come on the earth and that means we can't be here because we've not been appointed under wrath. I expect to be with that crowd on the fifth chapter singing worthy is the lamb. <laughs> worthy is the lamb to take the scroll and loose the seals for he was slain and he has redeemed us by his blood. Awesome God. Revelation 7, then I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. The actual Greek word there means the four extreme limits of the earth, the four quarters or quadrants, north, south, east, and west of the earth. They were holding back the four winds so they did not blow on the earth or the sea or even on any tree. Can you imagine a day with no, no wind? No wind, period. Not allowed to blow. Yesterday we had all kinds of wind, rain with it. But at this moment, there's not going to be any wind at all. So they did not blow on the earth or the sea or even on any tree. And I saw another angel coming up from the east, carrying the seal of the living God. And he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm land and sea, Wait! Don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. And I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel. From Judah, 12,000. From Reuben, 12,000. From Gad, 12,000. From Asher, 12,000. From Naphtali, 12,000. From Manasseh, 12,000. From Simeon, 12,000. From Levi, 12,000. From Issachar, 12,000. Jebusin, 12,000. Joseph, 12,000. Benjamin, 12,000. And after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the land. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. They were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the land. 
They were shouting with a great roar. But at this point, John has already heard some loud stuff, but he's saying they're shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God, from the Lamb. And it's reminiscent of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem when they were waving palm branches. And they were shouting, Hosanna, which the translation of Hosanna simply means save now or salvation. They were declaring what, what is coming someday. He is the Savior of the world. Salvation, honor, blessing belong to our God. Hallelujah. Salvation. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. They fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. When you and I are before the throne of God, we'll do exactly that. Ain't nobody getting up in God's face going, why didn't you? Why did you? No. Just by the splendor of his coming and the breath of his mouth, the Antichrist is annihilated. And all the angels standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God and they sang amen so be it blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever amen And one of the 24 elders asked me, who are these who are clothed in white? Where'd they come from? It's a rhetorical question because John doesn't know. But the, the, the one of the 24 elders asked him, and, and he gives the answer. And I said to him, sir, you're the one who knows. And he said to me, these are the ones who died in the great tribulation. These are the ones who have been martyred because of their faith in Jesus after the rapture. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. Imagine washing in blood and it comes out white. You ever seen that happen? No. But this is the miraculous salvation of Jesus. And, and his blood cleanses us from all sin. His blood, the Bible says, makes us as white as snow. He, he cleanses everything, every stain of sin is cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. They've washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. And that is why 
They stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. For the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. The Lord is their shepherd. He leads them to life-giving water. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. I don't know what you've been through. But God does. There's coming a time when every tear every sorrow, every bit of pain and suffering will be wiped away. And we're living in this little slice right now, this little slice of time. It's like the parade's going by and all we can see is through the slats of the fence and all we see is this little slice right here. And there's so much coming. We can't see it yet. God has so much for you. He wants to bring you up above the fence so you can see all that he has coming for you in the days to come. We're just, we're in the middle of some of the mess right now. But there's some days coming. <laughs> but right now he's wiping tears. He's, he's cleaning your face off. He's going, yeah, that, that hurt. I understand how bad it, how deep it, I know. And he, he cleanses and heals. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? I don't know what you're going through, but God does. And he wants to minister to you this morning in a supernatural way. The cool thing is we can choose to worship him now because he's worthy. And all we have to do is give him everything that we are. Because when you give him everything you are, you get everything he is in return. 
you get eternal life. You get access, even now, to everything God is. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ right now. You will speak to every heart and life in this place. Those watching online. Draw us close to you. Holy Spirit of God, reach down. Grip our hearts. Bring us to a place, Lord. A place of obedience. A place of acceptance. A place of stepping into the family of God. So that we can enjoy the blessings that you have for us as our shepherd. We can enjoy life everlasting. We can enjoy life even now. Lord, in Jesus' name, rescue. Rescue from sin, sickness, darkness, and disease. Those who are sitting here this morning, those who are listening and watching online, may they receive you as Lord and Savior. Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. If you're here this morning, you you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to make that commitment of saying, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want to start a brand new life with you. I want to be a part of this crowd who's around your throne worshiping you. I don't want to miss out on one thing that you have for me. I don't want to miss out on heaven. I want to be there. And I want to receive your salvation right now. If that's you, all of this room, I want you to slip your hand up high right now in the name of Jesus. Come on. Yes, sir. Someone else. God's speaking to your heart right now. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Lord. Come on, church, pray. Church, pray. Lives are hanging in the balance right now. And God's going to set people free today. Yes. Hallelujah. Someone else. Someone else. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for freedom today. As we were singing that song today, I, I, I sensed the Lord say, there's freedom in the house today. There's freedom in the house. There's freedom in the house. I want us to stand to our feet right now all over this place. We're going to sing together. God's going to give freedom today. He's going to give freedom. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom in the name of Jesus. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. But before we sing this song, I want us to pray that prayer. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray it with me, with your mouth. In fact, let's all of us pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I come to you right now, and I thank you for freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from the enemy. You are God, and I acknowledge you, Jesus, as the Lord of my life. Your word says that if I declare you as my Lord, that I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm your child. And I get all the rights as your child. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Come on, lift your hand. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Those of you who are in the family of God, I want you just to lift your hand and thank him right now for what he's blessed you with and how you can be a blessing to others. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for purchasing me. 
Hallelujah. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord.